This is an Ian Pulse Heartbeat with your hosts, Sarah Medeiros and Julia Magana. Welcome back to Ian Pulse. It's June and we are wrapping up Pride Month. So our heartbeat today is about what it's like to be an LGBTQI physician. Our guests, Dr. Kara Tolls and Dr. Nick Gorton, graciously offered to share their personal stories with us today. And we will be hearing more from both of them in one of our upcoming episodes. So Nick and Kara, thank you for being here today, and I'll let you introduce yourselves. Awesome. So my name is Kara Tolls. I am an emergency medicine attending physician at UC Davis, and I also work at the University of Texas Medical Branch down in uh, Angleton, Texas. And I'm Nick Gordon. I'm an emergency medicine physician, and I work at uh, Sutter Davis Hospital in Davis, California, but I also work one day a week at Lion Martin Clinic in San Francisco, which is a historically LGBT clinic doing primary care and transgender care. So we are here because Nick and Kara have kindly offered to share their experiences. And both of you guys have a unique story to tell. And we'd like to hear those so that we can all be better providers and be better people. So thank you guys so much for for sharing your your stories. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. So both of you guys have identified as LGBTQI. Maybe you can start us off and help us to use better pronouns and to use better um, understanding of your experiences. Can you guys tell us a little bit about your background? Sure, absolutely. So I identify as a queer African-American woman. And uh, I think that that experience, as I've progressed in my training and living in the world and society that we live in, can be tough sometimes. But I've also found a lot of community, which has been very important for survival and and thriving. Yeah. Nick? I'm a gay transgender man. Transgender means I was assigned female at birth, but that wasn't a correct assignment. And so I transitioned about six months after I finished residency. And I thought it was going to be harder than it was, actually. Mm. And I thought I was going to be a lot more rejected or not accepted as a colleague as I was. Uh, Not everybody's perfect, but I think most people want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, They might not have the right words, but they want to do the right thing. So did you start a new job and then transition in that new position? That was actually my plan. And the ER that I was working at in Covington, Louisiana at the time, had a lot of difficulty getting coverage for shifts. And so what I did was I decided I was going to do this and I had my timetable and I assumed what I'll do is I'll, you know, quit this job, be off for a couple of months, uh, have surgery, and then just go back to work at a new job. But I wanted to let the people at my current employment know as far ahead of time as possible because I didn't want them to get screwed with the schedule. So I went to my boss and I told him what was going on and he said, why are you going to leave? And I was like, we're in Louisiana. (laughs) (laughs) So I I told him that. And then I went to see the hospital CEO and let her know. And she also said, why are you leaving? And I also said, "Uh, because we're in Louisiana. And so, and I went to the chief of staff, had the same reaction. And then I said, well, maybe I can do this here. And so I actually transitioned in a community hospital in suburban Louisiana, which was surprisingly not as bad as it sounds like it would be. Very cool. Yeah. Very unexpected. I'm from Texas. And so I I know what it what the climate can look like in terms of being out in the South. So I'm glad that you had that experience. 
Yeah. And I, I won't say everything was 100% good. One of the advantages I had, honestly, was because we had difficulty staffing, not everybody there was EM residency trained. And there mm-hmm. was, a we'll just say, a variable level of competency. And so I think some of the community providers were faced with the question, do you want the guy that's not super competent, but who's normal? Or do you want the gay trans guy who you trust to take care of your patients. And I think the equation favored the gay trans guy who's competent. Who's not abnormal, by the way. I was just going to say that. I was like, normal? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm speaking from their perspective. Okay, okay. <laughs> of course. That's amazing. That's really interesting. And I'm so glad that people rose to the level of choosing competence because that's absolutely the right thing to do. Even that was the minority. Most of the people that I worked with we're super happy. I came out to the, one of the pediatric hospitalists, and he's like, that's amazing. When can I start calling you Nick? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That is really great. That's a really great response. <laughs> I'm sure there was challenges for both of you guys each step of the way. But obviously, like, Nick, I look at you, and I don't know, like you said, you don't have transgender tattooed across your forehead. Obviously, Kara, I don't look at you and know queer I can see the other things that you identify as, but I can't see that piece of it. Do you come out to other providers on a regular basis? Is this something that you tell people? Is this something that you feel important to share with other people or just comes up as you become friends? How do you communicate that to your colleagues that you work with? That's a great question. Or do you need to? I don't know. I mean, do you even need to? Yeah, I I think in a perfect world, one one wouldn't really have to come out because it would just be another aspect of your identity that doesn't have all this kind of stigma and weight attached to it. Um, And so the way that I operate is kind of in that mindset. I I don't feel the need to have that be the first or second or third thing that I tell people about myself. Mm -hmm. That being said, I feel fortunate to live in a place and work in a place where I can be that and it's safe to be that. A lot of people aren't in places where it's safe to be out and queer or trans or however they identify. So I'm grateful for that privilege. And I think that for me, it just comes naturally. It's it's easy to see that I'm short, that I'm a woman, that I'm African-American. A little tougher unless you have good gaydar, queerdar, if you will, to see that I'm queer. I, I just think of it as another part of my identity that, you know, people will get to know if they get to know me. And I, I operate similarly, though what I find is that being gay comes up in conversation sometimes because you'll talk, I'll talk about my husband at work just like anybody else would. And they go, oh, 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 that means he's gay. But you're not really often saying, yeah, you know, I had to go get that pap smear or pelvic ultrasound, <laughs> you know, so the things that would, would come up about you being trans or, hey, I take this medicine. It's, they're not stuff you talk with your colleagues about. So I haven't really at work had to come out as being gay because that was just sort of something people figured out. I actually did come out to my current group a number of years ago on National Coming Out Day. And I know a couple of people in my group knew that I was trans. I mean, and I'm not in the closet about it, but it wasn't a super common thing to talk about. And so I came out at our ER meeting and they all looked at me really funny and they're like, you're going to be a woman? I was like, no, 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 this is in the past. This has already happened. That's great. How long had you been working with them already? A couple of years. A couple of years. That's great. (laughs) So 
I went down the rabbit hole last night of itgetsbetter.org, which I just thought was a beautiful website. Um, if you haven't had a chance to look at it, I encourage everybody to go take a look at it. And it's people who are LGBTQI, and they've made little videos for other people who are LGBTQI, and they are saying like, hey, this is my life now, and that, you know, we get through some hard stretches, but it does get better, and there are supportive people that are out there. And we all need to stick together. And I thought that was really beautiful. Do you guys have anything that you wanted to say to someone who identifies as LGBTQI and wants to be a medical provider? Do it. Yeah. If you want to be a medical provider, do it. If you're queer or LGBTQI, any one of the those identities in the acronym, then absolutely do it because we need you. <laughs> Your Our patients need you. Mm-hmm. And so don't be discouraged and and find your community, whether it's the community around you or if, you know, reaching out on social media, using technology to find that community. I think it's incredibly important uh, to, to survival. And it can be tough in some places where you're uh, ostracized in your family or at your school, but absolutely have dreams and work really hard to find community that will support you to achieve those dreams. I agree. I think we need you. We absolutely need you. We need you advocating for our patients. We need your perspective. We need to grow as a community. We need you. And I echo what Kara says. You know, uh, we we definitely need more LGBTQI providers. The one sort of caveat that I would give to the it gets better idea is that we really should recognize that for some LGBT people, it doesn't get better. And in particular, trans women, especially trans women of color, society's really evil to them. Mm. And I know uh, healthcare providers who are trans women who every day get reminded of it, every day are subject to discrimination. And these are enfranchised, educated healthcare professionals. And I think for the most part, it still gets better anyway because you're feeling better, but it can mean that you go from a position of higher privilege to a position of lower privilege, and that can make it really hard for some people, even in professional practice. So we still have ways to improve as a community and as colleagues, but hopefully there's hope at the end of the tunnel. And I think part of that is all of us educating ourselves and uh, being open-minded and collegial towards each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nick and Kara, thank you guys so much for coming on. We really appreciate you sharing your stories with us today. And we know there's a vast and diverse community of LGBTQI physicians and providers out there, and everyone has their own story to tell. We would love it if you would share your experience with us on our website, ucdavisem.com, or on social media at Impulse Podcast. And hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the amazing full episode we have coming up with Nick and Kara. Catch you next time.